0: mints, hard candies in rolls and hard candies on sticks and hard candies shaped like animals. Eight flavors of fudge and all the chocolate the addict could wish, including an elegant diet-busting concoction all Vera's own called cranberry chocolate. Something new is always baking. The luscious aromas drive you half mad just the way they are supposed to. Whether you like candy or not, you begin to salivate as the desire for sinful pleasure snares you, and before you know it, you are ordering everything in the shop. Vera, atrociously plump, cheeks puffy and pink, white-gray hair drawn neatly into twin buns, measures a pound of chocolate-covered raisins by eye as she talks your ear off, explaining in her husky smoker's voice the problem with the Carlisle house. And you listen to the story because you really do want those raisins. Vera talks about the house. She has good, solid reasons why they should never have let the Carlisles build it. Like they should have left the meadow alone so kids could play softball. Like the house breaks up the view from the road down into the valley. And it's too big and too ostentatious anyway, that house. All those sharp angles and glass walls that catch the sun. So when you drive by, the place seems to wink at you, especially if you happen to be staring at it, which Vera, who has lived on the other side of the reservoir long enough to oppose every house built for miles around, does a lot more often than she likes to admit. Oh, Vera is in a dither. And beneath that delicate porcelain skin, something glows warm with fury. Certain that the woman is crazy, you begin to inch toward the door, the chocolate-covered raisins in your clutches. But Vera stops you with a word. So what about the car? she asks. And you remember what she said about the girl. What was her name? Vanessa. Do you want to hear about the car? asks Vera. Sure, you say. Vera is happy to tell you, but first, maybe you want some fudge with that. Another specialty of cookies is the butter-rum fudge, with or without walnuts. Tying your bright green box with her trademark green ribbon, no cellophane tapes for Vera, no sir, she says, Oh, by the way, she must have forgotten to mention that while the car was burning, pretty Vanessa tried to open one of her veins with an exacto knife. And when you have heard Vera out, maybe you're still not sure what to think except that you are swooning with sympathy for Vanessa to say nothing of her parents, her sister, and her two brothers. Vera talks so hard, she leaves you dizzy. But you finally see it as though you were there, because Vera Brightwood has that gift she always has. She can bring a story to life, the shiny blue Mercedes, brand new, leased three months earlier, just 2,000 miles on the clock, a roaring pyre in the concrete driveway of the red brick town hall as winter dusk falls, and off to the side, this long, skinny brown girl, intricately woven braids obscuring half her winsome face, sits calmly on a slatted bench and struggles with the knife sawing away at skin that refuses to break. Poor kid, Vera finishes, a tear in her good eye. You are inclined to agree. And you know, Vera adds, sotto voce, as she tries to get you to buy some jelly bellies to go with your raisins, even with all the university folks buying up the land because they've decided that converting farmhouses is smart, There are only five colored families in town. Surprised, you ask if the town keeps track of these things. She asks what things you mean. You frame your objection carefully. The number of African-American families living here, you explain. Do you actually keep track? Some of us do, Vero tells you. Why? Vera leans close to whisper, her breath cloying as though she is fermenting inside yellowy gaze lifting to the door just in case one of those liberals should come in money she says we keep track because of money nothing against the coloreds mind but real estate has been